Hey, goal getters. Maggie with The Sweat Life here. I interviewed Parissa Morris for the We Got Goals podcast this month. This month, we are still talking about how to create a better earth, and we're interviewing guests that are walking the walk and really taking steps towards doing that. Parissa is the co-founder of Town & Anchor, which is a totally vegan skincare brand. Throughout this interview, I learned so much from her, just from the perspective of what is vegan skincare, what are the sustainable practices that she has never compromised on in order to create this business that is both luxury and sustainable and also affordable on the spectrum of uh, organic skincare brands. And so when you listen, I think you're going to fall in love with this story of creating something from scratch based on a passion to help people and the journey to setting a goal, making a commitment, and sticking to it, both for her business and for her life. It was a total joy to have Parissa on the podcast, and you'll hear a little bit about what she's doing in Chicago, but if you want to try Town & Anchor and you don't live in Chicago, you can order it online with a special discount code WEGOTGOALS20 for 20% off of your order. You can go to townandanchor.com in order to do that. That's T-O-W-N-A-N-D-A-N-C-H-O-R.com. This is my interview with Parissa Morris. Enjoy. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not Hey, everyone. I'm sitting here with Parissa Morris, who is the co-founder of Town and Anchor. She's here with me for the We Got Goals podcast this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me, Parissa. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And I know I've already had the opportunity of trying a little bit of the Town and Anchor products, the face oil, the balancing oil, as well as the sponge, uh, the charcoal sponge, which I'm so excited to talk more about your products. But you are the founder of this vegan skincare brand that really kind of flips the idea of what the beauty industry needs to be and what beauty products need to be on its head. So I'd love to hear first and foremost from you, what inspired you to start this company? Where Where is your background in creating vegan skincare? So as a little girl, we I would watch the news quite a bit because it was just on all the time. My parents had immigrated here in the 70s during the revolution in Iran. So having the news on was really important. And I think with that came a lot of information at such a young age. And I felt the need to do something about it. I felt like almost responsible. So I actually wanted to do law. That was kind of like my dream job because I knew like if I can make really big change in the world by perhaps maybe suing the people responsible, I could do something. So that was just something in me at a very young age. And then as I grew up and I actually went to school to do it, I realized that's not really where I belong. So I kind of took a step back and realized like, well, what do I really want to do? I really just want to help people. And so uh, one of the things that gave me that satisfaction was, believe it or not, just doing like my friends and family's like hair. So that was something that really brought me a lot of joy. I, we would have like weddings and I wouldn't even make it to the ceremony because I was too busy doing it, all my family's hair. And it just brought me a lot of joy to see them like look in the mirror and like what they see and know that I did that for them. So I moved to Los Angeles and got my cosmetology license at Form Academy. And with that, immediately I was introduced to a really great opportunity working at one of the top celebrity salons in Beverly Hills. I learned a lot there. And while I was there, I actually met my now husband and I moved for love to Wilmington. <laughs> and so while we were there, I I think the, the, like it was a very dramatic change for me. And 
I, my skin was just like freaking out. And I, I lived a very, like, I would say a healthy lifestyle and my diet was pretty good. I decided to eliminate meat completely from my life. And when I was 18, I was on MySpace and I saw a random video pop up and it was just horrendous to see how meat is brought into the industry. And I wanted no part in that. So kind of, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been 13 years now and I haven't touched meat. And it kind of, that was when I really adopted this cruelty-free lifestyle and I wanted nothing to do with that. So um, it couldn't have been that. And I was, I've been pretty active. So I was just so confused what could be doing this to my skin. And I had always bought pretty decent brand name products. And it just in my mind, that could have never been what it was. But while this was going on, I believe it was like 2013. Um, natural beauty wasn't necessarily like trendy back then, but it was starting to become more popular with like essential oils. So these, this has been around for centuries, essential oils, but now it's became like popular in the States. And I just remember going with my husband down the street to a local shop and it was called like down to earth. And we would go in and just be enamored with all these products that are made from the earth. And the fact that something can be so concentrated and so beneficial for you blew my mind. And so we would spend every dollar we didn't have on these really expensive essential oils and bring them home and just start playing. It was like we turned our living room to a lab. It was like a 700 square feet apartment and bottles everywhere. We looked like crazy people. Um, it just felt really right. It felt like this is what we're supposed to be doing. And so I think one of the first things that we ever made um, was a makeup remover. And so just by eliminating my makeup remover full of preservatives and alcohol from my life, I saw a dramatic change, like all the redness, all the inflammation, all the breakouts completely gone within two weeks. So we were really onto something. And so after that, I think the next thing we made was like a toner. And then, of course, beard oils were super trendy. So Jeremy, my husband, made one of those for himself. And we kept seeing like, what, what, what's next? What else can we make? And while this was happening, our friends and family would look at me and they're like, wow, you look really great. Like, what are you doing? And I would tell them like, well, actually you're making this stuff. And so they became really interested. And so with that, we ended up giving out a lot of product, which can add up. So we decided to make like a website and we went online. Everything was a lot, a lot. Google has been our best friend <laughs> throughout this entire process. And, um, we learned how to make a website and launched and stores became interested in our products. And then Town & Anchor was kind of born after that. It was an accident, but it's been like the best thing that could have happened to us. Yeah. That's, oh, that's incredible. I have so many questions. Like first and foremost, where does the name Town & Anchor come from? Okay, so um, we love that it embodies the earth and sea within the name. And I felt like it was really applicable for the ingredients that we would be using. And um, side note, there are also two random names that we decided that maybe one day we would name our children. So we just felt like it really would work for the company. Yeah. I love it. Thanks. It seems like it all came out of just sheer joy and love for it, which, I mean, hearing your background and hearing that you want to help people uh, and very clearly seeing that law school was not that <laughs> um, and that that journey was not for you. This feels from just the la little that I gather, it really is kind of in line with how you want to contribute to the earth and to the world. Yeah. I mean, to be making a product that is not only effective, but like literally harming no one in the process to me is um, an incredible opportunity. I mean, and I'm, I'm taken back by it at every point because I feel like to have a company where you're not affecting anything, even the ecosystem, is awesome. And I, th I think this needs to be, um, I think this needs to become mainstream, that we, we don't need to be affecting anyone in the process to gain um, profit. 
And how do you how do you do it? I mean, it's, course, a, it yeah. seems crazy because so many companies exist, and so many companies um, still have a goal of some sort of sustainability. But you know, what is your process that really does make the scale like zero out, and that you are still able to be a, a business that continues on? Of course, that's a really good question, and we struggle with that today. Um, I feel like logic has been one of our biggest enemies because I remember early on when we decided, like, what do we put this product that we're making that's now in this metal bowl into what kind of container do we put this in? And, of course, it just became, like, common sense to me to use glass because that feels luxury. But, I mean, it was also that turning point where we were putting, I think, our facial cleanser in a plastic container where everything else is in glass because we thought, well, the logical thing to do is put it in plastic because if it drops in the shower, like, that's on us and that's scary. But then it turned, we, I remember we launched like a body cleanser at one point and I got a sample for a 16 ounce plastic container. I'm like holding it in my hands and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I can't order 500 of these. I can't be responsible for these, this plastic that everyone else is going to end up having. And I don't know if they're recycling it. And even if they do recycle it, like 90% of all the plastic that's ever been made or um, all the garbage has been re- not recycled. So a very small amount actually ends up getting recycled. And I didn't want my name on that. And so I remember, you know, sending the sample back and being like, we're putting 16 ounces of product in a 16 ounce container and it's going to be glass. And that's from this point forward, every decision we make after this is going to be conscious and mindful of what's going to happen when they're done with it. Did you already have a, a lifestyle of sort of eco living prior to the business or has that changed since you've started it? I wish I could say yes, but no, this has been to this day a learning process. Like I still find myself messing up. I am learning too, but I feel like if I can start with my company, because it's not just like my lifestyle, I'm doing, I'm giving something to so many other people. And again, I just don't want to be responsible for adding to the problem. I wanted to be a part of the solution. So yeah, I, I mess up a lot, but I feel like just being conscious with my company doing the right thing has allowed me to live a, a more sustainable life. And so I think that you know, when I was 18 and I decided I was going to live this cruelty-free life, I didn't ever at one point think that my products, just because they were cruelty-free, could still be harmful. Are they actually vegan? And could a product that was not tested on animals but have animal byproduct align with my lifestyle? And I realized after years, even in the business, that no, they, they have to be, both of those things have to exist in order to be one. And so we um, I think it was in 2015, we discontinued our facial cleanser because it had honey. And I was like, I can't do that. And we're going to be officially vegan. We're going to be officially cruelty-free because they are the same thing. And what does, from like the, I guess, standardization process side of things, what does that look like for to be able to put those kind of labels on a brand to say that it's 100% natural or that it is totally totally vegan like for somebody like me who doesn't doesn't really know what some of these terms mean what does that mean so of course so vegan means that there is no animal byproducts so there's no lanolin there's no honey and there unfortunately is no regulation in our government when it comes to the cosmetic industry there's about 11 products that technically were not or ingredients that we're not supposed to use whereas like in the eu there's uh, over a thousand and it's just like no one's regulating this, so it does get scary. So there's a lot of greenwashing happening where you'll you'll find a company and you feel like you can trust them, and they put all these like logos on there that they're 100% this, that. But then when you turn it around and you look at the ingredients, it's saying something completely different. 
And that's why it's so important. Just ignore the branding, ignore the packaging, turn it around, look at the ingredients. And if you don't understand something, like contact them, ask them, ask questions. This is your body. We're absorbing it. Our body is mostly skin and we absorb 65% of what we put onto our skin. So it's, it's, it's really scary that we live in this type of world. But I think that if you feel empowered and you believe that you can get the answers that you deserve, you can find the right product for you. That seems like so simple, but also so hard, you know, like we have so many different products in our homes that are vital to our day-to-day lives like if I were to take some inventory just of like the things I've used today to like wipe down my countertop and then to like even like wash off the veggies that I buy like the veggie wash or whatever is like (laughs) I'm sure that has stuff in it too and it's like sort of this seems like a daunting task but you do seem to make it doable and possible and also like your company stands for that is that it's possible to do yeah and we really try to embody the whole minimalist aspect like we had at one point a whole collection of products. And again, we had to set, take a step back just like when we realized we were going to have vegan ingredients. I was going to, I said to myself, I'm not going to have all these products because, you know, if, if something works, you shouldn't have a bunch of products. And so by doing that, I think, and by people embracing these minimalist companies and um, choosing less products, I think it'll make it easier for someone, like you're saying, it's hard for you to to do that. It seems like a really, but if you don't have a lot of products in your house, it will become easy. There's Mm -hmm. less things to turn around and look at the ingredients list for. Totally. And I just like suggest people to start small, start in one corner of your home. So if you're like, I'm going to start in the kitchen, open up the cupboard and eliminate, you know, the products that you're unsure of, and then go to the bathroom and then go to your makeup. Like it doesn't have to be one thing that you start in a today. Right. Right. I think there's something called like the paradox of choice where it's like we have too many decisions to make and therefore we become bombarded with that burden and then it feels like too daunting. So, yeah, that's incredible that you've already started to create that opportunity for people to to narrow in on maybe the two or three products that they really need. So I'd I'd love to know, since this is a whole podcast about goal setting, I mean, the goal to be a sustainable company is humongous and so worthy of praise. But I'd love to know uh, from you, what is a big goal that you're very proud to say out loud? And how did you go about accomplishing it? Yeah, I think our biggest goal that I think that we have accomplished at this point is that we are, I feel, an affordable luxury brand without making any sacrifice within sustainability or animal rights. Um, I wouldn't say that we got like an A plus for zero waste at this point, but I do feel like we're almost there. Um, I mean, we ship our products. These all contribute to, you know, your carbon footprint. But we've just in the past year have started this program where you can bring your bottles at our markets and we refill them for you and you get an amazing discount by doing that because we want to reward you for being, you know, conscious of your carbon footprint. And then now we're working with our retailers to also offer the opportunity where you can come in and bring in your bottle to refill them. And um, aside from like the refillable aspect, we are going to be collaborating soon with a company that makes jewelry in Los Angeles and they take glass and they repurpose them into jewelry. So soon, you know, you finish your face oil with us and you give us the glass and we'll make them into earrings for you. So we're just trying to think of all ways to not let what we've made in the landfill and just continue to use them. That seems like something we could all probably stand to do a little bit more is like holding hands. And, you know, obviously the the jewelry company benefits from your collaboration as well. And so it seems like the phrase of uh, a rising tide lifts all boats really does apply here. And yet somehow 
we're still not all on board. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's really hard to to make the change. So, I mean, what would you say as a relatively newer company um, that is taking the steps, that is taking a stand for this kind of doing business? Like, what can other companies do as well to model this working together? I think community is so important. I think just asking questions. I feel like I that was something that I failed to do in the beginning because I had a lot of pride. I felt like I could do this. I can figure it out. Google's my best friend. But there's more to this world than the internet. And just messaging someone, hey, where did you get your glass bottles? Like, where are you resourcing these amazing ingredients that are organic and cold pressed? Can you give me your supplier? And being able to, like, offer them that information, we're all on this planet together. They're still going to launch that company with or without you. You might as well help them out. And I think that's been um, something that has really helped us, too. Like, we've, in the past year, I've been able to ask questions and put my pride aside and really create the community that I'm trying to do with my company. And this modality of thinking, that relates to your phrase that you'll see throughout all of the communications that that you share in Town & Anchor, that you stand for conscious beauty. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So with conscious beauty, I feel like what we're trying to share is that the moment you buy it, it needs to incorporate within your lifestyle. So like you're using a product and you're conscious that it's good for you because of the ingredients. Now you have this product and what do you do after it? And then how does it make you feel? We want everyone to be really mindful that they are beautiful and they don't actually need this, but it does help them. And to just be aware of everything from A to Z is what I'm using, is what I'm purchasing harming anything. I feel like we're all part of this mass energy. And if at any point, we affect it, it does have a consequence. And so by being mindful and being conscious of something as simple as purchasing a face oil, it begins to have that ripple effect. So then now you're conscious about what you're eating, you're conscious about who you're around and what environment you're going to be a part of. And it just begins to replicate and embody everything you end up doing. I'm curious to know what your process is for your face, like morning, noon, night, whatever it is. What is the what is the beauty routine for you, and how do you use the products that you sell? Of course. So believe it or not, I am an extreme minimalist. Like growing up, the products I would use would be the things that my mom might have gotten for free after you get like you know you buy something from Clinique and you get like a free beauty bag. So I would just take that, or my sister's over this lipstick. I would, I'm such a minimalist when it comes to beauty. Um, so I I wanted that to be apparent with our products because I, you have to practice what you preach and I can't sell something if I don't actually use it. So I use a cleanser and a face oil and that is it. And so um, if I'm feeling fancy, I will pick up our jade roller maybe three to four times a week if my daughter didn't let me sleep that night. And I'll use that um, with our with our face oil. And then we came out with a product um, recently, which is our Konjac sponge. And we launched it and I'm really excited about it because it's one of those things that if you are a true minimalist when it comes to your beauty regimen, you can live on this sponge and that's it. So it removes your makeup. It, you don't need cleanser. You can add some of the face oil on the sponge and remove your makeup. Um, if you're stuck on an island and you're thinking of one thing to bring with you, you bring a Konjac sponge. <laughs> um, I'm really, and it's biodegradable too. So it's something you just, you're finished, you throw it in the compost and you've left no footprint. I love the sponge. I tried it. I used it. And honestly, like before even hearing you talk about the mindful component of a beauty routine, I found myself being like, this is a really great activity. Like I was so into it because it's number one, a product I've never used before. Like the texture of it is like very different. It's nothing like you would ever find just on any old shelf in the store. And so it was unique, different and and 
also just like very fun to use. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the process of using it. And I love that something like I said in, like earlier that in makeup remover was a huge factor of my irritation and just being able to use that with their face oil and have it remove all my makeup. Um, I, I love that. I love that our face oils are multi-use. You can wash your face with it. You can use it as a moisturizer. You can use it under your sunscreen to make it more effective. Um, it, it's great. I love that. I think also I could stand to have a little bit more of that um, cohesiveness like in my life in so many other ways, like just distilling, like what do you really need and how can you make what you have go further? Totally. So when you look forward to what's going on with you next, whether it's at Town and Anchor, whether it's outside of Town and Anchor, what are the big goals on your horizon and how are you going to get there? So in the past five years of having Town & Anchor, we would attend a lot of markets. And at the markets, there would just be this sense of a lack of um, curated like demographic where you're amongst other vendors and you sell amazing products, but our audience wasn't necessarily the same that it should be. And um, I think at one point I just realized how cool would it be if we're at a market where we all share the same demographic and the same values. And with that, Bide Market was born. So Bide Market will be Chicago's first sustainable luxury shopping experience where we will have like-minded vendors and conscious consumers under the same roof and kind of create this safe place for people to feel like, I don't have to keep repeating that we're organic and that we're natural and that we are sustainable. I can just now meet you, share my message about my product and get to know you on a deeper level level. And I feel like a lot of that is lost in markets because I'm too busy trying to sell my product and I can't get to know you and really hear like, well, what type of skin do you have and how I can help you with that? I'm excited about this market because we will have um, really great sustainable activists coming in and also doing speeches and we'll have a panel discussion. We want to really build a community in Chicago where sustainability isn't just like a trending topic. Like we're actually embracing it and our actions are now greater than the things we post on Facebook or on Instagram. We're really taking the step towards making an actual change and I think that has to be done with the community. We can't be behind our screens anymore and I think by creating it in a really fun atmosphere that involves shopping can really do big things. Isn't that fascinating how our society has, it's like a big society question, but how we've moved from craving digital to like really craving non-digital and how do we we can't live without it now that we have it it's necessary but how do we pull away from it that's what this market sounds like is sort of the just cutting through the clutter by just not participating in the clutter for a little bit and really honing in on what person-to-person experiences can produce which cannot live in the digital ecosystem yeah of course and I mean it just got to a point where I was tired of resharing things and I just wanted to be able to be a part of something and make other people feel a part of it and also have it be an enjoyable experience and not kind of a depressing one because it is kind of sad, like what's happening to our planet. And I think people can become discouraged. And it's a lot of a lot of times when you hear someone who doesn't want to embrace like a vegan lifestyle, they'll say it's it's too daunting, it's too scary. I don't even want to see that video. So what if we just show them another way that this can be fun and our future generations do deserve the earth that we have and making this a topic that doesn't end after a simple reshare on Facebook. Yeah. And, and to really talk about like, how do we do this on a sustainable, not sustainable only for the earth, but for our lives and for our, for our wallets, because it's possible, but I think it also gets equated to like luxury has to be 
so expensive that only like a few people can really own that lifestyle. And I'm only just now learning like the small things I can do to create an at-home cleaner that are not the store-bought ones, but are made up of all of the ingredients I have somewhere in my house. If I just have some essential oils and I have some fresh citrus and some, you know, distilled vinegar or whatever, like it can be as simple as that. I just have to open my eyes to it. Yeah. And if you had, if you had a community to be a part of, and that was like a topic that you discussed, there you go. You learn something new that can now revolutionize your life. And, and I think it's, I think it's kind of sad that now when we think of luxury, we, we automatically assume oh, that's going to cost a lot of money. And I feel like now companies are getting really, really good at creating beautiful luxury items at an affordable rate. And that's what we try to do with Town & Acre. And the market will have that. We'll have prices ranging from $9 to $800. And the way we'll embrace sustainability is it's going to be plastic free. So we're not going to allow the plastic water bottles. Um, Our vendors are going to be asked not to use excess packaging. So if you buy something, you're not going to be able to put that in a bag. We'll have attendees receive like a free complimentary bide bag. And we ask that they use that and keep it with them forever. So you know, that was another thing that really bothered me with markets, too. There would just be this consistent waste and just the garbage piling over. And and it goes back to just being conscious of every single thing we do when we pick it up. Like, do you actually need that water? What are you going to do with that plastic bottle? And, of course, we need water, but maybe you can go the extra mile in getting that glass cup. And so that's something that we want to provide at this market and have these eye-awakening experiences that take, that you can take outside of it. Will it be beauty focused or will it be a what kind of businesses will participate? We welcome all businesses, everything from beauty to furniture to bedding to jewelry and candles. Um, We want this to be an experience that all genders will enjoy and um, learn from. And where will we be able to find it in Chicago? So our first market will be in September um, the 15th in Wicker Park at Exchange 312. Um, it's a really great venue and it's beautiful inside. And I felt like it would be perfect for our first market. It's just the right size and we'll be able to really take control. I think curating is going to be the biggest thing that sets us apart. I'm going to spend so much time making sure that all brands align with each other, not just with their values, but like what we're preaching. I think it takes more than just saying that you're a sustainable company. I think it really has to be embodied in all of your products and the vocabulary you use and the message you're sending to all of your followers and consumers. And then for those of us that are maybe not in Chicago and we want to try some town and anchor, how can we do that? So we have a website, it's townandacre.com, and we do ship internationally. So yeah, you could definitely um, order online. If you ever have any questions, everything comes back to me. We're still a small company, and I'm happy that we are because I get to build these relationships with our customers, and I've been able to watch them grow. We have a lot of, we have ages from 16 to 70 using our product, and just knowing that we've helped teenagers, you know, get off Accutane and now embrace this complexion that they've been dreaming about. And I've got to watch them grow in the past few years and from 16 to 20 and know that they've been using something that we make is really, really cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the We Got Goals podcast, Parissa. It was so fun to talk to you to learn a little bit more about what vegan skincare really can be and then how we can potentially impact our environment by simply choosing better choices. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. Just know I'll be back, so no need to frown. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please, share it with yours.
You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have the chance to leave us a rating or a review while you're there, we would truly appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mano for our theme music. To our guest this week, Parissa Morris. To Tech Nexus for the recording studio. To Ryan Deffitt for editing. And of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.